What's good, my fellow haunt and boozers? <laughs> boozers? Better than losers. <laughs> better. <No. laughs> that doesn't sound great, but uh, welcome to haunting. Welcome. Great. Welcome to hauntings and booze, everyone. I'm Ari. And I'm Natalie. And this is episode 20. Yay! We're so excited! It's 20! <laughs> Can't believe it's been actually 20 episodes already. It flew by. It did. It did. So today we will be talking about the demons in the house. Mm -hmm. This is the story of Latoya Ammons and the possession of not just her, but her whole freaking family, ranging from her kids to the dog and even the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> the whole neighborhood got that. <laughs> no, it's just her family. Yeah, we're kidding. <laughs> yes. So um, before we get into the story, we thought it'd be very fitting if we drank something that will go well with the story, right? A little, yeah, a little demonic kind of <laughs> cocktail. So we're drinking a Red Devil. Mm-hmm. Haven't had one of these suckers in a long, long time. I have never had one of these, and it's really good. Yeah, it I is like good, it. but it's a pain in the butt to make because it's a mixture of a whole bunch of things. But anyway, we made it. Yes, and we have to show you guys our liquor cabinet because since we've started this podcast, it's very... Um, very cool. It yeah. has a lot of really cool bottles of alcohol in it, and it's very not the word cool. It was like it's impressive. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's very impressive. AA meeting shortly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, just just Wednesdays. That's just all. Wednesdays. Just Wednesdays, and maybe on the weekend, you know. But okay. it's cool. <laughs> so Latoya Ammons, right? Yes. I know absolutely nothing about this story, okay. and I'm really fascinated with possession stories, as you already know. Mm -hmm. So without further ado. We present to you the Ammons family possession. Take it away, Natalie. Da -na -na -na. Ad, da -na -na. The Ammons family. <laughs> the Ammons, sorry. I thought that was funny. You know, and, but listen, um, I actually didn't hear of this either until I was reading this article and um, Netflix was saying that they're going to be, and I don't know if it's out or it's going to be coming out, but they're actually doing a movie mm. on her story of what her and her family went through. Oh, yeah, I think it's out already. I'm not sure. Is it? Okay. So um, in any case, so let's talk about uh, this family. And again, it was Latoya Ammons, her three children, and they claim to be possessed by demons. Now, not everyone involved with the family actually believes, you know, it's a really incredible story. When I'm going to go through it, you're going to be like, you know, wow, this sounds pretty crazy. Yeah. But you'll see there's a lot of different departments and people involved. So um, many find Latoya Ammons' supernatural claims very difficult or even impossible to accept. But like I said, as I'm going along, you know, you're going to be very skeptical because I was kind of like going back and forth with what I was thinking about it. Okay. But whatever the cause of this horrific occurrence that this family experienced, you know, whether they were seized by mass hysteria, was it demonic possession? And that's going to be the question at the end. It led to actually one of the most unusual cases ever handled by the Department of Child Services. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So now the details and events, um, there's like, I think it's, 800 pages of official records and recounted in more than a dozen interviews. And like I said, the police was involved, DCS personnel, psychologists, family members, and a Catholic priest to boot. There you go. So again, this story, it's kind of like all over the place. I tried to piece it together as, I guess, best of a timeline as possible. Mm -hmm. It involves a DCS intervention, a bunch of psychological evaluations, a police investigation, and they ended off with a series of exorcisms. Wow. Now, it all started with flies. 
Flies. Flies. So in November 2011, Latoya and her family, she had a seven and nine-year-old boys and a 12-year-old girl. Okay, we're going to leave the kids' names out of this. Okay. And her mother. They moved into a rental home on Carolina Street, which was in Gary, Indiana. It was a quiet neighborhood. There were like small one-story homes in this little neighborhood. Very quiet. Now, suddenly, picture this. It's December, and there are these big black flies swarming their screened-in porch even though it was freezing outside. Yeah, first, that's gross. And second, that's not normal. No, it's not normal because it's freaking December. It's cold. It's Indiana. You shouldn't have like a whole pocket of flies, an army of flies going all over your screened in porch. So her mother's name was Rosa Campbell. And quote, this is what she said. She said, this is not normal. We killed them and killed them and killed them. But they kept coming back. <laughs> so I don't, I can just picture these two women with fly swatters sitting I, outside. I picture like a mound of dead flies <laughs> on a porch. Pretty much. But like, I'm like, okay, so this is kind of like the beginning here. Now, there were other strange happenings too. So it starts off with the first series of events. And it started one night. It was after midnight. So Grandma Campbell and LaToya both said that they occasionally heard the steady clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs and the creak of the door opening between the basement and the kitchen. And every time they would look, there was no one there. And mm. even after they locked the door, the noise would continue. Creepy. Yeah. Now, Campbell, Latoya's mother, she said she woke up one night and she saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing her living room. Mm. She leaped out of bed to investigate and she found this large, wet boot print on the ground. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, a boot print. That's so, like, that's even more scary i guess because it, it seems like someone broke into the house that's what i would think at that right, point exactly but they're saying everything was locked no yeah. one was in there now fast forward about like three months later on march 10th 2012 grandma campbell said the family's unease because they were just kind of like okay what's going on we're a little nervous turned into just sheer fear yeah now it was about two o'clock in the morning and normally uh grandma latoya and her children they'd be sleeping but they were actually mourning the death of a loved one with a group of friends at the house now latoya who was in her mother's room started screaming for her and she scared the, the crap out of everybody in the house now grandma campbell said she ran into her bedroom and her 12-year-old granddaughter and a friend were staying in that room as well. Uh -huh. Now, LaToya and her mother said that the 12-year-old was levitating above the bed and was unconscious while this was happening. Jesus. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So obviously, yeah, that's pretty freaking scary. Now, at that point, LaToya and several others surrounded her daughter and they just started praying. Okay. Um, and again, and you she know, she was still floating. And she was still floating. Her. They were surrounding her. They were praying, and she said they were all absolutely terrified while they were doing this. And I'm like, kudos to you, because of a lot of other people. Yeah. I'd be running out the damn door. Maybe no, maybe not if it was my child <laughs> it was or my grandchild. Child. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'd be there. I'd be there. But somebody else's child, I'd be like, you're on your own. All right. <laughs> now, eventually, the little girl came back down onto the bed. She woke up and she had no memory of what happened as per her family. Hmm. Yeah, so she couldn't remember anything. It's, so it started with her. It started, yeah, I guess, well, the boot prints, the noise, somebody walking. Then all of a sudden, little girl levitates. Yeah, that's... So the flies, so you yeah. got the flies, boot prints, levitation. But it started like the first human interaction yes. or possession or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Okay. for sure. Um, now, uh, Latoya and her mother said the people who were visiting that night 
you know, really funny. They just refused to return. I don't know why That's they wouldn't crazy. return to that home. That is crazy. I mean, I'd be back. I'd be like, let's have some tea. Start charging that, people to yeah. get in the house. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and that's when Latoya and her mother realized that they needed help and they needed to speak to someone who knew how to deal with whatever the hell was happening because right. they were like, what, what's happening? Now, they didn't exactly know like what it was, but they really believed that it was something supernatural. Yeah. Now, um, I wonder what led them to believe that. I don't know. Maybe the levitation part? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. And that's the thing. I'd be like, I'd be like maybe it's UFOs. Maybe it's aliens. You Imagine. Know? Yeah, you I don't know. know. Like an invisible beam. That's what I thought at first. And then as I kept reading, I was like, oh, maybe not. Now, they <laughs> called local churches and this kind of pissed me off. It, unfortunately, most of the churches refused to listen yeah okay now eventually after listening to latoya and her mother talk about the house and visiting it um there was one church and i couldn't find the name of which church that mm -hmm. actually told them the carolina street house did have spirits in it they knew the house they they apparently knew the house they recommended the family clean the home with bleach and ammonia and then they told them to take oil and kind of like draw crosses on every door and window. Okay. I, and I couldn't find, you know, how did they know the house? I don't know that information, but apparently they told them, yes, there's spirits in this house. What's messed up is that the, all the other churches said no. Mm. I mean, don't, they should have a responsibility. But another question would be, how many of them actually get pranked? You, I mean, I can't picture that many people yeah, that never calling a church and be like, to me like, hey, I have an exorcism going on. Yeah, I, I don't know how many, but just the fact that they apparently called like a, a, a string of churches and nobody yeah. was helping them. But yeah, this one church was like, yeah, yeah, this is what you need to do. So at the church's suggestion, and just imagine how desperate these two women must have been to just fix whatever was going on and get mm -hmm. back to normal. Uh, Latoya said she poured olive oil on her three children's hands and feet and then she smeared oil in the shape of crosses on their foreheads. Okay. Now, um, Latoya and her mom also contacted to clairvoyance. So they're like, let's take this a step further. And mm -hmm. I don't blame them. I probably would have done the same thing, possibly. Now, they also said that the house was besieged by more than 200 demons. They both said that? Both clairvoyants said the same thing. Jeez. Now, their explanation made sense to Latoya and her mother because they were deep-rooted in their Christian faith. So mm -hmm. they're like, okay, maybe it's because we're, we have this faith, our religion, and they're just, you know, kind of fucking with us. That's yeah. what I'm assuming they were thinking. I don't know that 100%, but it did make sense to them. Damn, so there were 200 spirits in that house. Demons. Demons. Not, not just, just spirits. spirits. Demons. 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 Was it a mansion? How'd they all fit in there? No, <laughs> <laughs> no and, you know, I'm going to post pictures. There's some, there, and I don't want to get into but there's some creepy there's one particular picture i saw and i was like oh my god yeah. and i'll tell you later like who took the picture and all that but it, it's pretty creepy imagine they just be bumping into each other all the time just trying to get around <laughs> <laughs> now the clairvoyant suggested moving out of the house and i love when people are like oh my god your house is haunted you need to move yeah. listen guys we don't know everyone's financial situation mm -hmm. it's not that easy to just get up and fork over i don't know two months deposit and your yeah. rent it's pretty much paying like a mortgage and a half or two mortgages for some people yeah so it's not always an easy resolution it's definitely not easy but what's easy is to grab some <laughs> sleeping bags and head for your nearest bridge and <laughs> make friends with the local hobos yeah totally and your three kids and your three kids yeah. have a party down there yeah exactly it's probably safer than the house I, I don't know i mean let's I let's see never how seen a hobo make someone levitate let's see let's see how bad it gets here let's see how bad it gets <laughs> but apparently you know that's what the clairvoyant suggested and unfortunately latoya and her family they just couldn't do that because yeah, yeah. of their financial reasons so right. 
Instead, though, um, she did take another clairvoyant's advice, and she made an altar in the basement. Mm, not creepy. Yeah. So no, not I mean, in the basement. Hell, why not? <laughs> Who doesn't have an altar in the basement? <laughs> now, she covered, she took this end table, she covered it with a white sheet, and then she placed a white candle and a statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Okay. And she put the statues on there. She opened the Bible to Psalm 91, which is actually, because um, I was like, okay, Psalm 91, it's actually a psalm of protection, mm -hmm. and it conveys the theme of God's protection and rescue from danger. Okay. So, because when I read it, I was like, okay, why Psalm 91? Sorry, guys, I'm not versed in all my psalms. Yeah. So I wanted to see what that one was about, but that's what it does. Okay, so it protects you and rescues you from danger. Now, during this ritual, if you will, Latoya and another person who I don't know who the other person was that was helping her, mm -hmm. um, they basically wore, they were told to wear white t-shirts and put white scarves around their heads while they were doing so this. So they're just all in white. All in white. So I guess it's like the purity, you know, keeping the, and I'm trying to think like the psychic that came to my apartment. Yeah. He didn't have white and all that, but there were some things he did that were similar. With the candle. Yeah, and the candle, and then I'll, I'll go on in a second. So based on the clairvoyant's advice again, and this is what the psychic had done, they burned sage, which is what he did, yeah, yeah. and sulfur. Sulfur, no, he did not do. I don't know about burning sulfur throughout your house. <laughs> sulfur, but, that's strange. That's a strange one. Yeah, so they burned the sage and sulfur throughout the house, and they started upstairs, and they worked their way downstairs, and the smoke was so thick that they could hardly breathe. And mm. I think the sulfur probably did not help the situation. Yeah. I'm going to assume. I don't know, though. Fumigate not the a demons. doctor. <laughs> <laughs> now, all the while, though, Latoya drew a cross with the smoke as she went about the home. So she's walking around, you know, doing the sign of the cross. Mm -hmm. Now, the person she was with read Psalm 91 aloud as they moved through the house. And this is what Psalm 91 parts of it, of what it says. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Mm. So that's what they were saying, walking around the house. The whole time walking. The whole time, you know, 200 demons listening to this. Sounds like something out of the Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justice League? I, I haven't seen that. No, you, never mind. What? <laughs> just... just. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ammon said nothing odd happened for three days. So I'm like, all right, that's a great sign. Yeah, well, it must, something must have worked. Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, after three days, shit really hit the fan. Did they try redoing it? Well, um, let's let's talk about what happened to see if they even had time to <laughs> oh, redo no. anything, okay. these poor people. So the family said demons possess Latoya and her children. Again, remember, they're seven and nine-year-old boys and, their tw and her 12-year-old daughter. Hmm. Now, they said that the kids' eyes bulged, evil smiles crossed their faces, and their voices deepened every time it happened. Both mom and grandma claim that this is exactly what happened to the kids. Yeah. Okay. Now, Grandma Campbell said the demons, because I'm reading this, and it didn't seem like the grandmother was affected, mm -hmm. but she said that the demons didn't affect her because she was born with protection from evil. I wonder what that means. I don't know. I was trying to figure out well, like, she said, basically, she has a guardian who protects her. Hmm. So I, I wish I knew more about that. Like, who's his guardian, you know? And yeah. I, I get it. I think all of us have some kind of a guardian, but... You know, she was not affected. Only the kids and the her daughter were. Well, her faith was strong enough to believe in that guardian. So. I, I guess, I guess. Now, um, Latoya said she felt weak, lightheaded, and warm when she was possessed. So she felt like something was off. Yeah. And her body would shake, and she said she felt completely out of control. 
And she said it was very different and you can feel that it was something supernatural. Mm. I haven't been possessed, guys. Hope not to ever mm, have that happen. Don't want to be. Don't want to be, but it does not sound fun. Now, her youngest boy, who was seven at the time, he would also sit in a closet and he would talk to a boy that no one else could see. And the other boy was describing what it felt like to be killed. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I that I didn't like at all because I, I have a seven-year-old and she's creepy enough as it is. <laughs> and if she sat in the closet doing something like that, I don't know, I would take her straight to church. I mean, don't burn holy water. It sounds like something <laughs> she would do. <laughs> Maybe. I love you, Bella. So um, Campbell also said, and Campbell's grandma, she also said that her grandson, the seven-year-old, once flew out of the bathroom as if he'd been thrown into the wall. They just saw him get thrown. Thrown. Boom. Right out of the bat. Like like somebody threw him. Also, a headboard once smacked into the daughter, the 12-year-old, resulting in a wound that actually needed stitches. Wow. So, and I'm like, so I'm, it says a headboard once smacked. So I'm like, did she go into it? Did, yeah. Was it like picked up and whacked against her? Did I couldn't find the details on, her on it. Laying down. Yeah. So I don't know the details of that one. Now, later, her 12-year-old daughter... Latoya's daughter would tell mental health professionals that she sometimes felt as if she was being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move. Oh my God. Again, I'm like, is this when she was wide awake? Was she sleeping? Uh, was yeah. it sleep paralysis? Like, you know, so many questions. Yeah, that one story I had, I felt the same way too. Yes, I remember. Yeah, and I've, I've had that happen with another, you know, the, the Batman story, which yeah. is for another time. But definitely, we can both relate to that. Uh -huh. um, and the little girl also said she heard a voice say she would never see her family again and wouldn't live another 20 minutes. Wow. That's very specific, 20 yeah. minutes. So I'm like, minutes. what's up with the 20 minutes? So that's that's what the little girl claims the voice said to her. Mm -hmm. Now, some nights, the the situation was so bad that the family would leave and just go stay at a hotel. Yeah. So again, I don't know how many nights they stayed at a hotel, but they would just go. And uh, from what I read, they did have some relatives. I don't mm -hmm. know how close the relatives were to their town, but um, they ended up just bouncing and going to a hotel sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Now, finally, on April 19th, again, 2012, in total desperation, they went to their family doctor, Dr. Jeffrey Anyuku. And I'm sorry if I am butchering your name, but that's what it looks like to me. And Jeff. They, Jeff, Dr. <laughs> Jeff. They went to him for help. Now, Latoya told him what was going on, what, were, what they were going through. And she was hoping he might understand, maybe have a solution. So he thought it was very bizarre. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I, I totally understand. And he said he had never heard of anything like this in his 20 years. And he was scared himself because he actually ended up going to the house. Mm -hmm. So he said he walked into the room and he was pretty scared himself. He felt something, saw something. So it, it doesn't specify. I'm going to assume feeling. vibe, feeling. And, you know, I think sometimes when we're going somewhere... And they're like, oh, this happened and that happened. Psychologically, maybe yeah. you're prepared uh -huh. to like feel something evil or yeah. something weird. Or sometimes you could be very scientific and you just feel something evil or weird. Right. So I don't know. Now, he said he would not speak in more detail unless Latoya had psychiatric clearance for the waiver of confidentiality that she signed. Hmm. Okay. Now, in his medical notes, because he, you know, obviously re recorded this, he he not recorded, but he took notes of everything that was happening. He wrote, quote, delusions of ghosts in home and, quote, hallucinations. He also wrote history of ghosts at home and delusional. Okay. Okay. So that's what this doctor wrote. So it's like history of ghosts at home and delusional. 
It's a little bit uh, contradicting. A little, right? So I'm like, okay, so which one is it? Now, what LaToya and her mother say happened next was also detailed in a Department of Child Services report of a family case manager's interviews with medical staff. So Mm -hmm. like I said in the beginning of the story, you know, you might flip-flop, be like, it's real, it's not real, what the hell's going on? But there's a lot of recorded stuff and other witnesses that have seen things in this particular case. Okay. Now, at this point, chaos pretty much erupted. Now, Grandma Campbell said her grandsons cursed the doctor in demonic voices at that point, raging at him. Medical staff said that the youngest boy was lifted and thrown into the wall with no one touching him, and they saw him. And this is according to the DCS report. Okay. That he was lifted and thrown against the wall? Lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. This is what they put down in their report. On their actual report. On their actual report. Finally, the boys abruptly passed out and they just would not wake up. Mm-hmm. So grandma cradled one boy in her arm and Latoya held the other one. At this point, someone decided to call 911 from right. the doctor's office. They're right. like, okay, we don't know what the hell's going on, but we're calling the police. <laughs> so Dr. Jeff said, her Jeffrey said seven or eight police officers and a whole bunch of ambulances showed up to the scene. Okay. It was so chaotic that they couldn't figure out exactly what was happening as per the doctor's recole- recollection. So imagine now you're like, you're in there. This kid's being thrown against the wall. These yeah. kids are like, I don't know, like going crazy and cursing you out and their voices are changing. You're like, <laughs> yeah, what the hell is happening? I'd be like the roadrunner, smoke behind me, <laughs> gone. Now, police and emergency personnel, they took the boys to the Methodist Hospitals campus in Gary, Indiana. Okay. Now, Latoya said um, hospital personnel laughed at her because she basically took, uh, she wanted to take olive oil and mm-hmm. anoint the kids. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what are you doing? Yeah, what is so, this? yeah, so she couldn't talk to them. So she said she talked to God. And I can understand that at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, after all this, the boys finally woke up in the hospital. Her older son, and he was nine, he acted rationally, mm-hmm. but the youngest one was screaming and thrashing. And it actually took like five men to hold the kid down. Jeez. Yeah. And that's, that's a seven-year-old. Yeah. So five guys to hold him down like that, like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Meanwhile, someone, and this is the thing, we don't know who, but somebody called the DCS and they asked the agency to investigate LaToya for possible child abuse or neglect, also claiming that she might have a mental illness. Mm. Now, we don't know. Again, I don't know who called, didn't state who called. The person also believed that LaToya's children were putting on a show for their mother and she was encouraging their behavior. She was just enabling them and putting all these ideas into their heads. Pretty much. That's what the caller made it sound like. And I'm just curious. I'm like, who the hell was this caller? You know, um, yeah. why did they put so much weight in what the caller, as you'll see, they, they did. Maybe they were some asshole neighbors. or Who knows? Who knows? Or maybe. You ever heard that uh, snitches get stitches? Yeah. I've heard, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> now, we're from New York. Of course we've heard that. So now, Valerie Washington, she was a DCS family case manager she was asked they were like here you're gonna handle this in this initial investigation Mm -hmm. so this was her account to police and in her intake officers report and this is what she wrote she wrote hospital personnel examined examined Ammons and her children and found them to be healthy and free of marks or bruises okay a hospital psychiatrist evaluated Ammons and determined that she was of sound mind okay so you got all this stuff happening but they're like they seem normal though. Normal and there's no bruises or cuts or anything. No no signs of abuse. Of of physical abuse, no sign. Now, Washington also later interviewed the family in the hospital. Now, while she spoke with LaToya, 
um, Latoya's seven-year-old son started growling with with his teeth out, mm. and his eyes rolled back in his head as he growled. Oh. And this is in front of the, um, the the family counselor, the family officer, basically from the CDC. The mm. CDC. Oh my God, the, the DCS. And what'd she have to say about that? So, well, I'll 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 get there. So later that evening, Miss Washington, again the case manager and a registered nurse. This nurse was Mr. Willie Lee Walker. They brought the two boys. And the grandmother was with them as well. And mm -hmm. they went into a small exam room to just interview them and talk to them. Now, the seven-year-old, again, stared into his brother's eyes and he began to growl. Mm. So it's like, okay, he's growling a little. Now, in a deep, unnatural voice, he said, it's time to die. I will kill you. <laughs> okay, escalated real quick. And this is in front, again, of the case manager and the nurse at this point. And I'm like, okay. Now, while the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting their grandmother in the stomach. Oh, my God. So it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> now, Grandma Campbell grabbed her grandson's hands and she started to pray. Yeah. Now, and again, it shows you like the deep-rooted faith these, these people had. Now, what happened next definitely shook up, I would say, the witnesses. And to many, it would offer not only validation, but like actual proof of paranormal activity in this case. Okay. Now, according to, again, Miss Washington's original DCS report, an account confirmed by Nurse Walker. So not, not only did she, the caseworker write this, but the nurse also confirmed it. Confirmed it, yeah. Latoya's nine-year-old son had a weird grin and walked, okay, walked backward up a wall to the ceiling. He then flipped over his grandmother, landing on his feet. He never let go of his grandmother's hand the entire time this was happening. <laughs> what? Yeah. So what do you think of them apples? So, so wait, <laughs> let me get this straight. They were, I guess, they must have been against the wall Yeah, because don't forget, it says a small exam room, right? Yeah, maybe near a corner or something. Some, right. And he while holding her hands, started slowly walking up the wall backwards. Yeah. And then when he reached, I guess, a pivotal point, he, he did a, a flip over her. Over her and just landed. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. And then, and then the, cause I thought the, the next thing that I'm going to basically talk about yeah. now is what I thought, I thought so. Was uh, he possessed by Spider-Man? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> well, you know, possibly. I know my older daughter would like that, but no, it. Oh my god. <laughs> now, um, Nurse Walker actually stated, okay, because I was thinking the same thing. He said he walked up the wall, flipped over her, stood there. No way he could have actually done that. Yeah. And later, you know, police were asking the nurse and Miss Washington. They're like, did he run up the wall? Was it like an acrobatic trick yeah, he yeah. performed or some type of parkour? Now, she basically told them that he glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling. And this and is- And the ceiling. And the ceiling. So it was like floor, wall, ceiling, flip. How do you do that? How do you how do you get to the point of the ceiling and still hold hands? All I know is I want to see this. <laughs> I want to see the recording of this. He moonwalked up he the wall. He moonwalked up the wall. Maybe he's possessed by Michael Jackson. Jamona. <laughs> <laughs> Jamona. So I don't, I don't know. I'm like, so, and this was actually, like I said, in the police report. So Shit. she also told police that she was scared when it happened. I don't know why. And she ran out of the room and Nurse Walker ran out with her. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I mean, come on, guys, get your <laughs> shit together. It's like, it's a little kid. Come on. Now, it sounds like they were in panic mode. Uh, Nurse Walker is quoted as saying, and this is his quote exactly. We didn't know what was going on. That was crazy. I was like, everybody got to go. 
<laughs> Everyone out. Everyone out. Get the fuck out. So according to the case manager's report, they told the doctor what happened. Now, of course, you know, the doctor's not there. Yeah. One of the family members there. But then you've got two of the professionals there. But the doctor still didn't believe it. And he asked the little boy if he can walk up the wall again. Yeah. Like, son, can you walk up the wall again for me? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Nurse Walker told the doctor he doubted the boy could repeat the feat. And he also said that the boy was not himself when he did that. Hmm. So, what, like, really? You're like, you have a nurse saying that wasn't the kid doing it, basically. Now, Latoya's son said he didn't remember what happened and couldn't do it. Okay, and again, this is in Miss Washington's report as well. Right. Now, Nurse Walker, and he did say he previously believed in demons, he believed in spirits, thought that the boy's behavior had some demonic spirit to it, but also believed it was the result of a mental illness. How? So I'm like, that's just too fucking conflicting for me. What mental illness makes you moonwalk up a wall? Yeah, so it's like, I think there was a demonic spirit to it, but I also think he's mentally disturbed. Yeah. So which one is it? Dude, you can't have both. Well, maybe you can. I yeah, don't know. I but maybe if you are possessed, then you are mentally disturbed yeah. because of the possession. Yeah. And it's and it's a, a demon causing it. Yeah. That's the root cause. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I get it. Look, I mean, who knows if the guy had ever seen anything like that in his life. Probably not. But it's like, that's a very conflicting statement to me. Yeah. Now, there's also a police report where Washington said she believed there could be an evil influence affecting the family. Influence? Yeah. Just what? say demon, people. An it's influence. a demon. It's a spirit. That's an evil influence. Way more than influencing yeah, I, I get like, you know, influence of drugs or alcohol, yeah. an evil influence. Let's give this some kind of a definition. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't want to say. Yeah, exactly. They don't want to sound crazy on paper. And I can understand that. They're like, I can't write this down. This is this sounds <laughs> yeah, insane. Yeah, but they sound even crazier when they say what happened and then they try to come up with some uh, weird terminology. Yeah, some bullshit, contradicting basically. Contradicting shit. Now, that night, LaToya spent the night at the hospital with her seven-year-old son while her mother took LaToya's daughter and older son to a relative to a relative's home in Gary. So, which is good. Okay, so the kid's in the hospital, mommy stays with him, grandma takes the kids to a relative. Now, the next day, it was LaToya's youngest son's eighth birthday. Mm-hmm. She said the DCS officials asked Grandma Campbell, you know, they said, bring the older children back to the hospital. And they figured, hey, we're all going to sit and talk about what's been happening so far. Yeah. Now, LaToya and her family, they celebrated her little one's birthday. They sang. They had some cake. And then DCS dropped the freaking bomb. Miss Washington told them the children would not be going home. And they took the emergency step. And they actually took custody of the kids without a court order due to the chaotic circumstances. Wow, that's fucked up. But you know what? And I, I get it to a point. But then you're like, you guys saw what happened. You're saying demonic evil influence but yeah. you're gonna take the kids away from th- this woman yeah, right now the way they just did it too uh, yeah that's really yeah i up. did not like that now as per miss washington's report quote all of the children were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress okay. now of course latoya and her kids they were totally devastated they were crying and they didn't want to be separated you know she felt that, that they had been through like so much crap and she had fought, literally, they all had fought for their lives. That's mm-hmm. what they felt like at this point. So this family felt they had unified, they were a team, and now they were slowly, again, they felt like they were slowly beating the entity down or whatever it was, and now they were being separated. So they thought them being separated is going to make this this thing stronger. Yeah. The next day, on the morning of April 20th, 2012, 
The Reverend Michael Maginot was leading Bible study in his living room when he received a call from a hospital chaplain. Mm. And this is pretty interesting. Reverend Maginot had been the priest at St. Stephen Martyr Parish in Merrillville, Indiana, for more than 10 years. And this was the first time he had ever received a request like this one. So the hospital's chaplain basically called him, asking him to perform an exorcism on Latoya's nine-year-old son. Oh my God. So I'm like, you take the kids away, now your hospital chaplain's calling a church and saying, yeah. come and perform an exorcism. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, That's so crazy. Totally. <laughs> now, obviously, okay, uh, priests, I, I assume, don't jump into an exorcism. Mm -hmm. There's a bit... Of investigation, you know, check out what's going on. You think a, a little part of them gets excited when they hear exorcism? Like, ah, oh, this is hell. The I get excited. We've been and waiting <laughs> for. This is what I've been training for. Yes, Give Cur me the curling holy waters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Soldier of God. Yeah, this is this. We is... gotta get them some T-shirts and shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, I get. I don't want to say excited, but I get like very curiously excited when yeah, I hear yeah. something like this. So I would think if I'm a man of the cloth. Yeah. Or lady of the cloth, uh -huh. you know, possibly. So, lady of the cloth. The, well, you know, nowadays. <laughs> yeah. So Reverend Maginot agreed to start by interviewing the family a few days later after Sunday Mass. Now, as per the Reverend, the first step was ruling out natural causes, which mm -hmm. I totally get. Logical. Yeah, for what Latoya and her family claimed that they were experiencing. Now, the Reverend visited Latoya and her mother, and he went to the house on Carolina Street. Mm-hmm. And this was like two days later. So they detailed the supernatural events for the Reverend over like a two hour conversation. Okay. Then Grandma Campbell interrupted the interview to point out a flickering bathroom light. Now the flickering stopped each time Reverend Maginot walked over to see what was happening. Hmm. And he believes that the flickering was due to a demonic presence. Okay. He assumed also, and I'm not sure why, but he assumed that the presence was afraid of him. Hence like the the stopping when he got near it yeah i don't know about that but all right let's see now their interview was interrupted again when grandma campbell pointed out that the venetian blinds in the kitchen were swinging even though there was no air current or open window so now the blinds are kind of swinging around yeah and i don't know how badly they were swinging but the reverend said he also saw wet footprints throughout the living room while he was there up here did grandma have wet boots on i don't <laughs> grandma's grandma. like look over there this <laughs> is what happened she's like moving the shit around <laughs> that's supposed to be a boot it's not a duck quack 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 now sometime later latoya complained about having a headache so the reverend naturally pulled out the crucifix, put it on her head, mm -hmm. and she basically started convulsing. Nice. Yeah. So after interviewing both mother and daughter, and this was at this point four hours, Reverend Maginot was convinced the family was being tormented by demons. And on top of that, he also believed that there were ghosts in the house. Okay. I, I want to know more on that. He believed... Oh. I'm sure he didn't hear about the 200 demons thing. I, I don't know, but he said, and who knows what they told him. Yeah. Maybe they did. I would think maybe they just spewed everything. But he said, not only do you have demons, you've got ghosts here. But up until this point, Latoya showed no signs of possession besides what he just did, right? The convulsing, and don't forget, she would get like warm. Oh, she'd and, get yeah, warm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was, and she would lose control. Mm -hmm. So that was possession moments. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Reverend blessed the house before he left. He prayed, he read from the Bible. And he went around each room and he sprinkled holy water. Okay. Okay. Now, he also told Latoya and her mother to leave because it just wasn't safe. 
Okay. And I remember, remember our house mm -hmm. that we lived in when we were younger, the one that hell house that we were in, mm -hmm. um, the priest did the same thing. He told dad, get your kids, get, get your family, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Now, at this point, they temporarily did move in with a relative. Okay. So, um, and again, I'm not sure how, maybe the relative was far. I don't know, but they ended up moving in with the relative for a while. Good. Now, yeah, good. But they did, unfortunately, have to go back for these reasons. So less than a week later, Latoya and her mom were back at their Carolina Street home. And yeah. they had, what was Sorry, that? now it's just the two of them. Wait, there's more. They had to let in. The reason they went back is just the two of them. Because remember, the kids, the kids are not are, with them. Yeah. Right. So they went back to the house and they had to let uh, Miss Washington, and she was the DCS family case manager, mm -hmm. check out the condition of the home. Because they're they're being like watched, observed, you know, yeah. how's the house and this and that. So Miss Washington had also asked a Lake County police officer to come with her. Now, I'm not sure why. I'm like, was this protocol or was she shit scared? Because yeah. don't forget, she was the one who saw the moonwalk. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I know I'd be like, yeah, why don't I get a, a police officer to accompany me? A few. Yeah, maybe <laughs> an army. Now, also, which I find very interesting, two other officers, one each, one was from the Gary and the other one Hammond police departments, asked to join them out of professional curiosity. Wow. So now it's like, all right, everyone from the department's like, we got to check this shit out. <laughs> it's like, Pete, did you hear this shit about a possession? <laughs> yeah. Let's go there. Let's go. <laughs> Over and out. Be there in five minutes. <laughs> That's hysterical. Latoya refused to go inside, but her mother agreed to accompany the group. So her mother's pretty brave, you know. She went in, she took the group in, and don't forget again, her children were still in the custody of the DCS. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the house, the main floor had three bedrooms. It had a living room, hardwood floors, there was a bathroom, and there was like this small, cozy, open-style kitchen. There was also a door in the kitchen, which led to a basement that had concrete floors. Okay. Now, directly beneath the stairs was a dirt floor. The concrete around it was jagged as though it had been like broken. The basement. The basement. Okay. The floor around it. Now, remember that makeshift altar that Latoria had created? Mm -hmm. It was still in place because I'm like... Oh, they left it yeah, there. Yeah, it was still there. Uh, and there were these rings of salt that she had poured against the basement walls to dissuade the demons. Okay. And again, this was all in the Hammond Police Department report. Okay. So salt everywhere. Salt. Yeah, all around the basement walls. You know, you got the makeshift altar. It's all there. Now, Grandma Campbell told officers that demons seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs. So they thought that was like the, hot the portal, the hot spot, whatever you want to call mm. it. They felt like everything was right under those stairs. Now, Austin, who was the Gary police captain, was one of the officers that were there with him that day. Mm -hmm. And apparently, which I think this is, he believed in ghosts and supernatural, but said he didn't believe in demons. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. I'm like, it kind of like goes together, I think. Like, you can't say you don't believe in demons, but I do believe in ghosts and I believe in the paranormal. That's bizarre. But not demons. Well, yeah. Too scary for you, Captain? Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess, I mean, if you don't believe in demons, it implies that you don't believe in angels either. Yeah. Does he believe in angels? Hmm. Let us know, Captain Austin. I was like, <laughs> I'm very curious. He doesn't believe in angels. He just believes in nice entities. Yeah. And this is, and this is <laughs> at this point, okay, that he didn't believe in demons. Let's continue. Mm -hmm. Now, he said, Captain Austin, that he changed his mind after his visit to the home on Carolina Street. Mm, it didn't take so, long. No, it did not take long. According to Captain Austin and the Hammond police records, during this interview with Grandma Campbell, because again, she's showing them around, they're kind of like, you know, talking to her, interviewing her. Yeah. One of the officer's audio recorders malfunctioned. 
the power light flashed, which indicated that the batteries were dying, uh -huh. even though the officer had placed fresh batteries in the recorder earlier that day, as per the officers that were there and saw him do it. So there's no way these batteries die in one day. That's what they're saying. They're like, no, he, he replaced these like today. Now, another officer recorded audio while he was there. Mm -hmm. And when he played it back later, he heard an unknown voice whisper, hey. Again, this is according to the Lake County Police records. Hey. So when they, they finished all their crap and went back and started reviewing right. the evidence, they were playing it back and they heard something say hey when hey. it wasn't there the first yeah. time. Yeah, and I don't know if it was like a, was it a scary hey? It was like, hey, hey. <laughs> I was like, hey. Hey, hey, hey. I don't, I don't yeah. know what kind of hey. I don't imagine. <laughs> Maybe it was a scary hey, like, hey. Yeah, that sounds better yeah. than hey, hey. hey. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's not, it's i think it's a scary hey but i'm like can they tell us what kind of hey this was i want to know yeah. yeah if i'm gonna check out netflix because if that movie's there i definitely want to watch it yeah, so. yeah now that same officer okay who heard the hey also took photos of the house so these guys are in here they're recording they're taking pictures the time of their lives yeah right they're like this is great so in one <laughs> photo of the basement stairs there was a cloudy white image in the upper right hand corner now, when they enlarged the photo, that cloud appeared to resemble a face. Again, this was in the Lake County Police records. Okay. All right. The enlargement also revealed a second green image that the police said looked like a female. So two of them. They, two of them. They caught on They caught pictures. it. There's pictures. And there's also this picture. Um, and this is the one I'm going to post because I thought it was super creepy. It's like the front of the house. And the officer took that one too. Mm -hmm. And you can see a silhouette standing at the window looking mm, outside creepy and you could see it it's not like all too familiar yeah i was like oh my god mommy <laughs> <laughs> mommy dearest bring back brings back some memories i can't speak right now <laughs> now captain austin said photos he snapped with his iphone also seemed to have strange silhouettes in them as well and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep looking for these pics because there's a bunch that I found, but I want to try to find as many as I can. Now, in addition, on Captain Austin's way home that day, the radio in his police issue Ford, blah, blah, blah. The radio, he had a, a Ford that he was yeah. driving. Uh -huh. So the radio malfunctioned. Just went haywire. It just went haywire. Then when he got home, he said that the garage at his house, which was in Gary, by the way, wasn't uh -huh. that far out. Um, he it refused to open. And he said power was on everywhere else, but his garage would not open. Mm. So that was the other thing. Uh -oh. Then, wait, he gets, we get some more stuff here. Uh, he also said that the driver's seat in his personal, his own, not his cop car, his police car, he said his driver's seat in his personal 2005 Infinity mm -hmm. started moving backward and forward on its own. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so he ended up taking it to the uh, dealership to get uh -huh. it checked out, its own kind of exorcism. And the mechanic told him the mechanic, the, priest. The, mechanic <laughs> priest. the mechanic told him the motor on the driver's seat was broken. Okay. Okay. So and the mechanic said, you know, it could have caused a distraction while you're driving and it could have led to an accident. Yeah. Because you know, just think you're driving and your mechanism under your just seat is like going up and down. And yeah, you can totally get into an accident, you know, because you're fidgeting around and yeah, shit. Yeah. So I could see that. Now at this stage, Captain Austin found himself starting to believe this shit. He was yeah. like, maybe something is going on. Is it so, just a coincidence that he left the house and all this shit started happening? Yeah. Yeah, it's That's like something little, um, seems to follow. Yeah. But the mental health professionals evaluating Latoya's children were still very doubtful. 
Now, in April 2012, and that's the same month again, mm -hmm. DCS petitioned Lake Juvenile Court for the temporary wardship of Latoya's three children, mm. and the request was actually granted. Mm. And I was, I read this, I was what like, what hell? the hell, man? Yeah. But I read this piece, and I'm like, oh, okay. So DCS found that Latoya neglected her children's education by not having them in school on a regular basis. Um, now, apparently, because I'm like, okay, well, when this shit was happening, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's my thought. But apparently the agency made the same findings in 2009. Okay, this is way before the haunting when they sifted through their records. Ooh. So it's like, okay, I can kind of see that because education is very important. Yeah, you yeah. know, we, so yes, they may not have been... We abused but you can't just keep your kids home were they homeschooled or they were just no they were not homeschooled she so latoya told miss washington because of course they asked her hey what's mm -hmm. the deal with this that there were times she couldn't send the kids to school because the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without any sleep okay. but what happened in 2009 yeah yeah you know i get 2014 but it's been a few years that you couple haven't years. been sending your kids yeah like you know properly to school on a regular basis so oh, okay that's yeah so that was part of it now yeah. dcs temporarily placed her daughter and her older son at saint joseph's carmelite home in east chicago okay and her youngest son was sent to christian haven in wheatfield for a psychiatric evaluation so mm -hmm. i guess the older ones went to like a regular kind of home yeah and then the little one had needed more evaluating because of what happened that kind of sucks that they were split up again yeah i felt i felt really bad um it's always the kids but yeah. then again you know, we don't know what happened with these kids. Yeah. So while at Wheatfield, Latoya's youngest son, he was evaluated by a clinical psychologist by the name of Stacy Wright. Mm -hmm. She said that the boy tended to act possessed when he was challenged, redirected, or asked questions that he did not want to answer. And in her evaluation, he seemed coherent and logical, except for when he talked about demons. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it was kind of like so a making it all up making it all up or some kind of a defense mechanism for him I, i'm not mm. sure but that's what it kind of sounds like yeah, it sounds like when he didn't want to answer any questions or didn't know how to answer something right. he would just go into this demon mode right but still that walk was know. it was it the youngest one? Oh no it? i'm sorry it was the nine-year-old it was a okay, nine-year-old yeah. yeah so now at this point his stories became um bizarre fragmented and illogical as per miss wright also every time he told her the story it would change now, in addition, he also um, would change the subject when she tried talking about something and he was quizzing her on math problems and asking her lots of questions about outer space. Okay. And again, you know, he's eight Typical years old. kid shit. Yeah, kid shit. So she believed the eight-year-old did not suffer from a true psychotic disorder, which yeah. is good. Good. Okay. Yeah. Now, as per Miss Wright, this is exactly what she wrote. She wrote, this appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetuated by his mother and potentially reinforced by other relatives. And she wrote this in her psychological evaluation. Mm, that can't be good for Latoya. No, definitely not. Because it looks like you're like screwing around with your kid's head. Yeah, yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> so <laughs> Latoya's daughter... An older son were evaluated by another psychologist by the name of Joel Schwartz. Mm -hmm. And he also came to a very similar conclusion as Miss Wright. Now, LaToya's daughter told Schwartz that she saw shadowy figures in their home uh, on Carolina Street. Mm -hmm. She also said she went into trances twice. And LaToya's older son told Mr. Schwartz that doors would slam and stuff just started moving around. So this is what the older kids are now saying to Schwartz. Yeah. 
Now, LaToya was also examined, okay? So they're examining the kids, they're examining mom, and she was examined numerous times by psychologists, and they all said that she was guarded, but didn't seem to be experiencing symptoms of psychosis or thought disorder. Okay. Now, one psychologist recommended that LaToya be assessed to determine whether her religiosity may be masking underlying delusional ideations or perceptual disturbances. That's a whole bunch of words right there. That's a whole bunch. And I don't know how I read them that well. Because <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, you know, they're like deep-rooted belief. Yeah. And I'm not saying that everyone, I have faith as well. I'm not mm-hmm. saying uh, we both do to a point, right? But everyone has their own belief system. And I guess they're trying to dig in, like, is this belief system manipulating her her, psych, her yeah. psyche into seeing all this stuff that yeah. she's read about maybe in the Bible or heard about at church. Or it's being reinforced by the grandmother and mother. Exactly. So I, I, it's very it's very deep, all this stuff they're doing. Now, regardless of the results of these evaluations, LaToya and the kids continue to insist that they were possessed by demons. Yeah. So no matter you know what they were being asked, they're like, no, this is demonic. Now, DCS did set goals. So they're like, okay, let's put a plan together. We're going to give you guys some goals. One of them stipulated that the children not discuss demons and being possessed mm-hmm. and take responsibility for their actions. They also needed to participate in therapy to address their past behavior. Okay. I'm like, I wonder how many times they put those kind of goals together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no demonic possession talks of that, guys. Like, None you know, got to follow this outline. Now, while DCS officials credited Latoya, they said she had a really close bond with her children. Uh, the agency also said she needed to use alternative forms of discipline, not directly related to religion and demon possession. Okay. Mm. And this was according to the DCS's plan. Now, encouragement, rules, and withholding privileges were all types of appropriate discipline. And she could work on those goals during her supervised visits with her children. Yeah. And I wish somebody would have told our grandmother that. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember anything bad, she'd be like, the uh, devil's going to take you. Uh, it's the devil. You're, we're going to go to hell. They hang you by your tongue. Yeah. And I was like 10. Puts the, the fear of God in you. Fear of God. So I can see how, you know, people use religion to just scare the crap Mm -hmm. out of their kids to being good Mm, yeah for sure so in addition latoya had to find a job so i don't know she wasn't working i don't know what the situation was but she was told she had to find a job and appropriate housing due to the paranormal activity at that house okay so now the paranormal activity is a thing it's a thing they're calling it paranormal activity wow yeah so i'm like okay so so that's why how are they questioning all these kids and (laughs) i guess the 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 deal breaker was them not going to school on a regular basis yeah that was their loophole they're like oh we gotcha Yeah, yeah. yeah so i think i think again i don't know but i'm assuming now while she worked on meeting those objectives police and dcs officials continue to investigate the strange occurrences in the house so back to the house we go again okay like now what, they, they could, what purpose did they have they just kept going back. they kept going i'm like was were they just fucking curious like yeah. but they had to go back to make sure you know the house uh was in good condition nothing crazy was going on yeah. yeah you know um i guess that's what they were looking at now uh this time the group was a bit larger so it was latoya her mother, uh-huh. Captain Austin, was back for more. Captain Austin. And two other police officers from the initial visit went back to the house on the afternoon of May 10th, 2012. This is like a month later. Yeah. Almost a month later. And by the way, it was after work hours for the police officers. So not sure if they volunteered their time or what this means exactly, because as you guys will see, there are official police records of these visits here as well. 
So it was officially unofficial. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay. But so that's why I was like, I don't know what that means exactly, but they have police records of everything that happened here. They were just curious. Yeah, curious. So they were also joined because the group, you know, it's a bigger group. They were joined by Reverend Maginot. He was Mm -hmm. there. And another two Lake County officers with a police dog and a new DCS family case manager by the name of Samantha Illick. Wow, a yeah. lot of people. So a lot up. of you got a big group here, all going in. So remember the first case manager, Miss Washington. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Miss Illick. Okay, she was there in an official capacity, and she volunteered to go in her place because Miss Washington did not want to go back to the house. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> it's like okay, you took the kids away, now you're just shit scared to go back to the house. So you know something is going on. Now, I I guess that's my opinion again, but I just thought that was pretty funny. Now, the county officer who was there, he took his police dog. I was like, oh, poor little pooch. He took his police dog around the home, but the dog, it didn't show any interest in any specific area, and he didn't seem phased by anything. Again, no. And right away, I was like, ah, dog. Dog's gonna go nuts. Yeah, I thought it was gonna go crazy. He was nice and quiet. Barking and running around. No, walking around. And again, they had this on the Lake County police records. Dog was fine. Now, while they were, and and I'm like, they probably brought the dog with them because, you know, they say animals can sense things. So that's probably why they brought the dog. I think it's a good idea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it shows you, though, that they believe something's going on if if they're going to take a dog now to the house, unless they were looking for something else. I don't know. The drug sniffing dog. Yeah, I don't know. Are they hallucinating in here? (laughs) It's a paranormal (laughs) investigator. Now, the, um, while they were sniffing around, okay, the the officer, his dog, everyone else headed down into the basement. Hmm. Now, Miss Illick, okay, the new case manager she said that she touched some strange liquid she saw dripping in the basement and said it felt slippery but sticky when she put it between her fingers that's gross i'm like you're brave i would not be sticking shit between my fingers did she accidentally touch it or is she just like i mean kind of going down in the rail i don't know yeah it said she saw dripping in the basement so i don't know was it on the stairs was it you know i don't know on the rail who does that Somebody who's investigating, I guess. Now, I, I probably would do it. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd be like, we have to know what this liquid I'd is. I put on my tongue really quick. Like, what is, hmm. what is it? <laughs> now, Reverend Maginot told police he wanted to check the dirt under the stairs for a pentagram or any personal objects that might have been cursed. Or a body. Well, yeah, yeah. You're, you're skipping ahead here, son. Oh. Now, according <laughs> to a Lake County police report, he said a pentagram might indicate a demonic presence and a possible portal to hell. Mm. Now, that house, remember the mm-hmm. house we lived in? Mm-hmm. What was downstairs? Pentagram. Damn pentagram and all that shit was going on. So, mm-hmm. you know, because people would be like, what is this guy, crazy? He's, he's going somewhere with this. Yeah. Now, the reverend also had another thought, Ari. Mm-hmm. If someone had died in the house and was buried under the stairs, uh-huh. it could also explain the paranormal activity. Yep. So, Maybe double there's a whammy. lot of bodies down there. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh my God, what I mean, are they going like to find? John Wayne Gacy. Oh my God, terrible. Y- y- look, you never know, right? So, mm. one of the police officers ended up digging a four by three foot hole beneath the stairs. He just started digging. He started digging. He's volunteering cops. Yeah, he's huh? like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, because don't forget, this. this is a rental, right? Yeah. So, but I don't know where the landlord was and all this, but they're like, they're <laughs> Maybe going. Maybe he was under the stairs. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. But yeah, let's. Okay. I'll tell you what was under the stairs. Are you ready for let's what they it. found? Let's hear it. They unearthed a pink press-on fingernail. Okay. A white pair of panties. A political shirt pin. I was like, whose was it? Political was like, <laughs> shirt pin. <laughs> a lid for a small cooking pan. Socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles, 
candy wrappers and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord as per police records so many random things that's all down there. i know it's like what that pink press on nail freaking cooking pans yeah <laughs> pennies pots and pans was it a cooking show that went <laughs> that went rogue what what is this i don't <laughs> i don't know so nothing else was found so the officer replaced the dirt and raked over it i mean how nice right so, you know, like, got a good workout so, yeah good, good cops over here so reverend <laughs> maginot bless some salt which he said is a barrier to evil and spread it under the stairs and throughout the basement. This house must be fucking filled with like salt of the brain. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like salt everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> so now, what does salt mean in the church? Because I'm reading about this. I'm like salt, salt, yeah. here, salt, there. Yeah, what, I always salt? see it like on shows and yeah. stuff. And... So, so this is a deal with salt, okay, people? Mm -hmm. To the more religious Christians, salt remains a supernatural symbol of the permanent sanctity of Jesus and offers supposed hand hands-on protection from evil. Mm -hmm. Salt is still used to make holy water and also the more powerful exercised water of the Roman Catholic Church. So holy water is salt water? I, you know, I've never... Well, I've never... actually, no. I have taken sips of holy yeah. water from our Greek Orthodox Church. Yeah. So I'm like, do we not use salt like the Catholics do? Mm. I don't know. I should have looked that up. Yeah, it was fake holy water. I don't... No, we're, <laughs> no, no, I don't. Don't get me started. Don't getting, get me started. Let's not get into religion. Like, <laughs> let's, not get, let's not go there. So salt is still used to make holy water. I guess the Catholics add a little salt. Okay, I like the flavor. Like spice right? it up a spice bit. Spice it up a little. You know, like hey, get some oh, salt. No, plain salt here. <laughs> so that's the deal with the salt. They now like their electrolytes. <laughs> high blood pressure. I can imagine. I was like, <laughs> now Miss Illig said she was later standing in the living room with the rest of the group. When all of a sudden, her left pinky finger started to tingle and whiten. And she complained that it actually felt broken. Mm. Now, less than 10 minutes later, she felt like she was having a panic attack. So she couldn't breathe and she decided to walk outside and wait for the group out there. Now, Some fresh air. Yeah, some fresh air. Get the hell out of here. Now, when the reverend started questioning Latoya inside the house, she complained of a headache and shoulder pain. She then left also... And she joined Miss Illick, the case manager, outside. So, like, one by one. <laughs> little by little, there's going to be no one in the house. Let's make our exit. Now, Captain Austin said he left the house at nightfall. Uh -huh. Now, you remember, this is a guy who's been shot at, has investigated murders, rapes, and armed robberies during his more than three decades on the force. Mm -hmm. And he refused to stay in this house past dark. Yeah, smart man. Smart man. But it shows you, though, like... They took it seriously this dude's to like, some point. I'm getting the hell out of this house. Well, after all the shit that happened to him, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm just surprised that he went back. But yeah. the remaining officers, though, continued to walk through the home. Mm -hmm. So on the main floor in one of the bedrooms, they noticed an oil-like substance dripping from Venetian blinds, but they couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Again, this was on police records. They made note of this, okay? Now, an oil-like substance. An oil-like substance, and it was on the Venetian blinds. Two of the officers used paper towels and they cleaned it off. Uh -huh. Now, to make sure that Latoya or her mother hadn't poured oil on the blinds, the officers, they cleaned it and then they sealed the room for 25 minutes and they stood nearby so no one could walk in. Okay. Now, according again, this is on police records, they went back into the bedroom and guess what? They saw a unicorn. They... <laughs> 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 I don't know what that was. <laughs> the oil had reappeared. Holy shit. Yeah, so the oil was back. So they they wiped the oil clean. Yeah. They went out. No one else went in. They went back after 25 minutes yep. and the oil was back. Oil was there. 
And all I got to say is the, these police officers in Gary, Indiana, they freaking do construction. They clean your blinds. I want to yeah. rent one for yeah. a day. I'm like, <laughs> holy crap. Don't tell America. They'll invade the, whole, the house the- <laughs> for the oil there. <laughs> God. So so yeah. So I thought that was that was crazy. Though, I would have like, stayed in the room though. I, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. just to stare and see what happens. Yeah, just stare at the damn thing, and and it's so much creepier too. Yeah, but and maybe they're like, we're not. Think about it. They're in this house. They're probably creeped out enough, yeah. and they're like, we're not going to sit here stare at it. Let's yeah. clean it. Get the hell out. Wait. So kudos to them though for thinking of doing that. Yeah. And cool. they went back in. Oil's back again. Now Reverend Maginot told police that the liquid was an indication of a paranormal or demonic presence. Hmm. Okay. Now, after this, the Reverend wrote a detailed report of his findings to Bishop Dale Melchek and requested permission to perform an exorcism on Latoya. Okay. Now, as Bishop of the Diocese of Gary, Indiana, um, he was there for like the last 21 years. Bishop Melchek had never authorized an exorcism. Right. And even if he had, I was reading somewhere that um, they keep it uh, under basically lock and key. They're very, uh, what's the word, confidential files. Okay. So even if he had, we may not know that he had, but from what they know, he had not. Right. Okay. Now, initially, Bishop Melchick denied Reverend Maginot's request to do a church-sanctioned exorcism. The bishop instead, he told Maginot to contact other priests who had performed exorcisms to get some guidance on a minor exorcism. Okay. So a minor exorcism is basically not approved by the church. So that's what that is. Is it like on a smaller scale or just not sanctioned? It's just not sanctioned from what I understand. So it basically does not require church approval. So they're like, yeah, you could do a minor exorcism, but yeah. you can't do a sanctioned exorcism. Okay. That's... <laughs> so the church didn't want to know part. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, you're on your own, kid. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically... See what you got. <laughs> yeah. Learn something new every day, right? I had no idea. So the reverend said he did an intense blessing mm-hmm. on the home on Carolina Street. <gasps> and he... <laughs> <laughs> to expel any head. bad spirits so he did this intense blessing again not sanctioned by the church this is him going rogue yeah. okay and that same day reverend maginot performed a minor exorcism on latoya now the ritual consisted of prayers statements and appeals to cast out the demons mm-hmm. two police officers and Miss Illick, the family case managers, attended the ritual as well. Oh, so wow. I'm like, wow, these these guys are like all over. They're all over this. <laughs> Gluttons for punishment. <laughs> they're like, we're gonna sit here and watch. <laughs> now, Miss Illick said she left believing that something was going on, although she wouldn't go as far as saying, yeah, it was it was something demonic. She wouldn't yeah. say that, but she said she got chills during the nearly two-hour rite, and she stayed there for the full two hours. And she felt as if someone was in the room with them, breathing down their neck. Creepy. But she didn't feel like it was actually demonic. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, witnessing something. Were they drinking wine while this was happening? Like (laughs) Some cheese and wine out. Let's have a charcuterie board while we watch this exorcism. Well, a demon breathes down my neck. Yeah, so after visiting LaToya's home, Miss Illick said she had a slew of medical problems. Now, this is the case manager. Mm-hmm. So a week after she visited the house for the last time, she got third-degree burns from a motorcycle. Ouch. I'm like, okay, well, if you put your hand too close, maybe yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, you're going to get third-degree burns. Yeah, and within 30 days, this all happened within the 30 days, she broke three ribs jet skiing. Uh, she broke her hand when she hit a table and then <sighs> broke an ankle while she was running in flip-flops. Now. <laughs> 
the flip-flops got me. I'm like, yeah. maybe you shouldn't be running in flip-flops. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's like a, a lot of like string of bad luck. In a month. In, in 30 days, yeah. yeah. So motorcycle, Good. ankle, ribs, you broke your mm. hand hitting it on a table. Good thing she didn't go skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. And she also had friends who stopped talking to her because they believed that something from that house had attached itself to her. Yeah, I could see that. Anyway. So they're like, well, she was probably with her friends hanging out and they see her breaking this, breaking. They're like, where the fuck? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get away, like, from get, away us. get away, get away from the group. So now get this. After the minor ritual, Reverend Maginot told Latoya she needed to look up the names of demons that were tormenting her. Each demon had a name and personality as per the reverend. Mm -hmm. And because I was like, dude, why don't you look up the names? Why Latoya? Yeah, yeah because, and I'm assuming because she knew like what they were personally going through. Maybe things that she hadn't told him. Uh -huh. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. Maybe it'll make more sense. So a name, again, he said has a power and he planned to use those names to fight the demons during the rest of the exorcisms. Yeah. Now Latoya said she and a friend looked up the demons' names online mm -hmm. by searching for demons that represented the problems the family had been having. Okay. So yes, apparently there's a search engine specifically for demonic names and you that you may need to research. Actually, I've seen that, something like that. When I was uh, writing my, my book, I actually okay. searched for uh, angel names and demon names and they each had their what they do okay. and what they represent. So back to talking, why did the Reverend have her do it? Yeah. Because I think he was kind of like, well, it's your personal relationship kind of with these demons or whatever, mm -hmm. why they're tormenting you. And you need to figure out specifically which one you think it is. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, but he wanted her to do the research. Okay. He was a busy man. I mean, yeah, come yeah. on. Now, <laughs> she said while she was researching, the computer kept shutting down and she felt sick and lightheaded during her demonic internet search. Mm -hmm. So... Finally, though, they did find names that fit. Now, as per Latoya, one such name was Beelzebub, mm, Lord of the Flies. Beelzebub. Beelzebub. She said they also found names of demons that torture and hurt kids, which she felt explained what happened in their home. Yeah. Now, and, and just really quick, I was looking up search engines for demons. Yeah. Well, I read the story and I was like, oh, let me check it out. And I don't do this, you know, just because I was, uh -huh. it was for the story. And it, all of them um, have this caution. Don't read the demons' names out loud. You may call them if you do. Oh, and God. even if you yeah. email it to someone or text it to someone, make sure they don't say the names out. And I'm like, I was very tempted. Yeah. But I was like, what if they do hear me? And <laughs> so yeah. I, did, I didn't read them Isn't out loud. like a Bloody Mary? <laughs> yeah, right? But I just said Beelzebub, so. You did. I, I, I said, oh my God, my ears. <laughs> Look like a chicken without its head. <laughs> Oh, so she also said other high-ranking demons had been assigned to her, including lieutenants and sergeants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's Maybe a whole hierarchy. The boots. The boots. The boots in the beginning. Oh, yeah. The lieutenant. Maybe the freak, the freaking <laughs> lieutenant demon marching around her damn house. <laughs> lieutenant it's like, demon. Bitch. <laughs> Just stomping around <laughs> in my place. Oh, God. Now, after the minor rite, Bishop Melchick finally gave Reverend Maginot permission to exercise Latoya. So he got an official? He got the official backing of the Catholic Church. All right. So 
basically the ritual is the same as the minor exorcism, but more um, it, it's deemed more powerful because it's got the backing of the Catholic Church. Okay. So that's what and it is. It's more in. powerful now because yeah. the church is okay with it. Yeah. But it's not if the church is not okay with it's it. It's not as powerful. It's not as powerful. So just, just you guys <laughs> 50%. know. 50%. You're halfway there. <laughs> the Reverend performed three major exorcisms on Latoya. Two were carried out in English, mm -hmm. and the last one was in Latin. Oof. Brought mm. out the big guns. Yeah, big guns. Heavy-duty shit. Now, this went down in June of 2012, and this was like a month later, mm -hmm. at his Merrillville church. Okay. Now, during each exorcism, Reverend Maginot praised God, and he condemned the devil. Yeah. And he pressed a crucifix against Latoya's head, and he spoke, and this is what he said. I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell, and all your fell companions in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty strong stuff. Yeah. I was like, yeah, say it. I'm a so, little upset he didn't say the power of Christ. I know. You. I was waiting. <laughs> I was like, say it. Say it. Please. No. You have to. <laughs> the Reverend, and, and I'm like, again, you know, I was like, did they record this? I want to see this. Like, yeah. I wonder if they recorded or at least it. Hear it. Hear it. Yeah. So I looked, guys, I couldn't find anything. If mm. anyone has a recording or has found it somewhere, please send yeah. it over. Now, the Reverend um, said his voice continued to get louder and more forceful until the demon weekend. Mm. He said he could tell how strong the demon was by how much Latoya convulsed. Okay. Now, during the exorcism, two police officers who had kept in touch with Reverend since the home investigation stood nearby in case Latoya needed to be restrained. These guys, I mean, Damn. <laughs> these guys deserve a raise or something. Jeez, man. I was like, <laughs> They're like fully committed to this. I don't know. Are they part of the Vatican army? Like, what the hell? <laughs> Maybe they are, like undercover Vatican you agents. You never know. I'm like, these guys were everywhere. They're like, we'll be there. We'll, we'll do the concrete. We'll he didn't even call them. The... They were just already they there. They were there. They were there. We'll wipe off the oil. We'll hold her down. It's Holy crazy. Crap. Now, Latoya Toya said she prayed with Reverend Maginot until it became too painful to continue. She said it felt as if something inside her was trying to hold on and cause pain at the same time. Mm -hmm. And she said it was different from a natural pain, but it felt intense, like she was giving birth. Mm. Yeah. And that's I don't know what that feels like. That's a strange like, description. Yeah, yeah. I've had C-section, so I'm not going to get into that right now. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what that feels like. Now, she was hurting all over from the inside out and was trying her best to be strong. Now, as the exorcism continued eventually, Latoya fell asleep. She okay. said that was the demon's way of lessening the ritual's effect, make her sleep and not hear anything maybe, Is that you know. How it works? I don't know. I don't I know. I would assume that the demon's in there just fully aware of everything going on. I would think so, but maybe they didn't want her to hear the prayers that were being said to her to bring her back and and mm. like get rid of the demon. Maybe there's a way our spirit can like overtake the demon, if you will. Okay. So maybe that's why they're like, go to sleep. Could be. You know, I don't know. I'm just, you know, theories here, theories. Yeah. Now, these exorcisms were not one after the other, okay? It was like one, then the other. So in between the second and third exorcisms, Reverend Maginot went on a retreat. Oh, He's nice. like, hey, I need a vacay. Vacation no, time. I, and I don't know, really, I don't know if it was a vacay. I don't know if it was like a retreat that was planned that he had to go to, but yeah. he had to go to this retreat. He was in Cancun. He was... <laughs> Like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Spring break, bitches. <laughs> Demon cocktail, please. Demon Actually, I need another sip. Excuse yeah, me. No. Oh my god, that's ah, it's really good. Now, a woman, not sure who she is, who assisted him with some of the exorcisms, helped set up a backup plan. 
just in case Latoya had problems while the Reverend was away. Okay. And now this woman, or shall we call her the exorcism assistant, wrote a long demon name on a piece of paper and tucked it in an envelope. And then she surrounded it with blessed salt. Okay. So she wrote a long demon name a long demon on the paper, put it in an envelope, and then circled it. And yes. Circled it and this salt. was in case of emergency. I'll explain. Okay, now, yes, if please. Latoya had er <laughs> if Latoya had any like unearthly issues, mm -hmm. the woman was supposed to take the envelope and burn it. At this point, Latoya and her mother had moved to Indianapolis, mm -hmm. but they drove back for the exorcisms and the court hearings because remember, her children are still in the care of the DCS. Okay. The new home had been blessed by the Reverend to prevent more problems, okay. to help prevent any problems basically. Now, while the Reverend was away on his retreat, Latoya called, complaining of bad dreams. So the woman who was helping out took the envelope and she burned it. She also saved the ashes to burn later in a church bonfire. Oh, never heard of this process. I And I tried finding more on it. I, I don't know because I'm like, what demon? Where did she get the name? Was it yeah. a name? I'm assuming maybe Latoya gave her the name. Uh -huh. I don't know. I couldn't find more yeah. info. But... That, that's a deal with this. So after the incident, though, LaToya said her nightmares completely ended. In the new house. In the new house. And after they burned the envelope. Yeah. Oh, good thing. Didn't escalate from there. Yeah, exactly. So now in the final exorcism at the end of June 2012, Reverend Maginot said he prayed and berated the demons, not in English, but in Latin. Hmm. That makes all the damn difference, of guys. Course. It has to be in Latin. It's got to be in Latin, all right? Or so, or Aramaic, or some ancient language. <laughs> yeah. So, come on, let's brush up on our Latin. Oh my God, you never know when we need it. Now, surprisingly, police officers were not there this time. They were there. They were just hiding. They were. <laughs> we can't get caught being here again. <laughs> like, so the Reverend actually had his brother stand guard. Again, Latoya convulsed while he condemned the demons, but did not convulse during prayer. Okay. When she fell asleep. He spoke words of thanksgiving over her. Hmm. Now, this was actually the last time LaToya saw Reverend Maginot. The last exorcism. Last exorcism, last time she saw him. She and her mother drove back to Indianapolis, where they say they now live without fear. Awesome. Yeah, I, thought, I was like, okay, cool. Now, their previous Carolina Street home had become an object of local curiosity yeah. so much so that the owner and the landlord because i was like where's this freaking landlord his name was charles reed he called the gary police department to ask officers to stop driving by the house <laughs> because it was scaring his new tenant who had moved yeah, in of course like what the hell he's like guys stay the hell away stop you know, so they probably went like every other week can we take a tour of the house <laughs> can you see if there's oil on your blinds <laughs> Now, the landlord said there were no problems in the home before or after LaToya and her family lived there. Hmm. Now, one thing with this, I mean, this is just me. Okay, I don't know what everybody else thinks, but I'm like, I don't care if there was nothing going on after she left or before she left, it was quiet. Yeah. You never know why an entity um, shows itself or why someone can see it where someone else maybe cannot. Yeah. So I'm not going to discredit this family and say, oh, it was all BS because yeah. the new tenant doesn't see anything. That right. means shit. Yeah. They might be in there and the tenant doesn't feel anything, but some people are just more susceptible. I think we know that already. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Some people are more susceptible. Yeah, definitely. So Mr. Reed, the owner of the home, he was a non-believer until he was told that the Catholic Church was involved in the situation. And yeah. that made him less skeptical. Oh, of course. So, yeah. So he did go on record saying that. Like, he thought it was BS until, oh, the Catholic Church is involved. So okay. then the new tenants. 
What was that? The new tenants? No, no, the the landlord. Oh, the landlord. The owner, landlord. the owner. Because the whole time, I'm like, what, what's... No, out of curiosity, you probably don't know the answer to this, but uh, did the new tenants have any children? I don't know. I don't know. Because I read, um, like, doing re- research on possessions and uh, hearing other, like, other podcasts and stuff. Right. Read that, um, that the demon, I mean... Kids, especially kids that are about to go through puberty, especially okay. females that are ready to, I mean, about to get their menstruation cycle. Okay. They're very susceptible at that point to uh, interference of demons. Okay. And being that it started with the girl levitating, I just find it really interesting. Yeah. And you know what? That That is interesting because if you look at a lot of these cases, you don't really see like the elderly yeah. being possessed. Actually, there was one case, and I don't know if she was in her late 60s or early 70s in Egypt oh. of this possession. That's the only one I've heard of that's older. Mm. But there was also um, a young boy who I'm going to get more because I do want to do a story on yeah. this in China yeah. who was possessed. And he started at 12 or 13. So that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah, it's just something about the age with right where that edge is of puberty that mm. they're just very susceptible to spiritual and demonic Maybe the, the the border between your innocence. Probably, maybe. Possibly. Could be. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting, though. Yeah, mm. we got to... Maybe we'll do something on that. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Then, in November 2012, and this is, like, about five months after exorcism, she's been separated uh, from her kids, like, a total of, like, a little over six months at this point. LaToya regained custody of her three children. Awesome. Yeah, that was great. Oh, so it was only six months. It was, yeah, but that's, you know, I can't I mean, imagine being a day away from my kids, like, by force. Yeah, but it might have been a blessing in disguise, like, to reorganize the family structure, get rid of all these demons, and... What, do you, were the kids affected when they were away? Um, I don't know what was going on. You know, they didn't say much about what was happening with the kids okay. while they were away. I know they were in custody. They were, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what so the deal was. So maybe it was a blessing they got to avoid more demonic. Exactly. And everyone maybe got their lives together yeah. and things got better. And, you know, they say God works in mysterious ways, right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, maybe this was a little bit of that. So now the DCS continued to check in on the children and, you know, make sure they were going to school until the case was closed in February of 2013. Now, LaToya said her children's return was the happiest day of her life. Right after the the end of the demonic yes. possession. Yeah, the it's all over. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> got rid of the demons, got my kids back, things are going well. Yeah. So the children finally felt safe after they left the house on Carolina Street because, you know, they didn't have to go back there, which was, like you said, you know, they didn't have to go back to the house. So they felt safe and there were no more demonic voices or other strange events happening with the kids either. Good. Now, on January 10th, 2013, there was another DCS family case manager by the name of Christina Oleznik, and she reported no demonic presences or spirits in the home. And I, again, I just love the fact that throughout this whole case, they're reporting they're on reporting demonics. It. They're reporting it. Yeah. Now, she also wrote, and this is her, the family is no longer fixated solely on religion to explain or cope with the children's behavior issues. Okay. So again, they're putting a lot of weight on their, their using religion to handle the kids' behavior. Yeah. Now, on January 24th, 2013, Miss Oleshnik's supervisor wrote in a request for dismissal of wardship. Mm. Now, LaToya feels it was not the psychologist who resolved her problems, but God himself. Okay. She said, and I quote, and this is LaToya speaking, well, saying it, not speaking. When you, <laughs> when you, when you hear something like this, don't assume it's not real because I've lived it. I know it's real. 
Okay. So fair enough, right? Yeah. And again, it's like, what are we thinking? Did it happen? Did it not happen? Now, I was like, what happened to this house? Yeah. The home was purchased in 2014 by Ghost Adventures host, Zach Baggins. No, get out of here. That, yeah, so he bought it for $35,000. So he turned to a bed and breakfast? So actually, actually, listen to this. He had it demolished oh. two years later in 2016 after filming a documentary in it titled Demon House, which was released on March 16, 2018. So he did this documentary... And then he had it demolished. So the documentary is out in the wild right now. He <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's 2018 it was made. It's no, it was. So the house was purchased in 2014. Uh -huh. Okay. And he he basically, okay, so it looks like he, he went in, he did the, um, whatchamacallit, the documentary, mm -hmm. and it was released in 2018. Okay. But in 2016, so he bought the house, did the documentary. Mm -hmm. So two years later, he demolished the house. So I'm saying the documentary, we could see this documentary. Oh, yeah. It's it's released on March. So it's got to be, I didn't look, but it's called The Demon House. Interesting. By Zach Baggins. Now, he said, and I quote, because I was like, he demolished the whole freaking house. Yeah. So I, I found a quote, and he said, this is him. Something was inside that house that had the ability to do things that I have never seen before. Things that others carrying the highest form of credibility couldn't explain either. There was something there that was very dark, yet highly intelligent and powerful. Hmm. Now, I'm Nicely not sure, put. yeah, so I'm not sure if he still owns the property or of some, or something was built over it, but mm -hmm. there you have it. That's, that's the story. That's awesome. So, what do you think? Uh, I mean, the story was pretty intense. There's a lot of moving parts and components and a whole bunch of history that happened there. I think um, one of the coolest things for me, because I like possession stories and right. stuff is that there was just so many witnesses mm -hmm. yes there's so many different details and witnesses they're collaborating their stories and they witnessed all this crazy shit happening which right. is usually it's usually the family or the priest or exactly whatever. so i really enjoyed that part what do you guys think have you guys ever heard of this story apparently like you mentioned before there's a netflix movie based off of it as well right other than the documentary which i'm definitely going to check out yeah i want to check that out too i need to get the name of it first yeah it's <laughs> called I, I had it here it's the um zach baggins demon house that's the documentary that's the documentary but there's also a movie the movie oh, well, you know what we can we can find it yeah i'm mean, sure you just go a quick google search yeah we'll, we'll show it google search. but um a search a search but if you guys heard of this story or what I want to know more is when the kids were away, were they still experiencing shit? Yeah, I don't know. That I'd, re I don't know. I'd really like to know. So if you guys do know any of that information, please do shoot us an email at hauntingsandbooze at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at hauntingsandbooze or message us on Instagram at hauntingsandbooze or find us on Facebook. Yes. And also, I'm very curious about this. Again, you know, do you guys think demons was a family in a chaotic metal, mental state? Mm -hmm. um, and also... Do you know anyone that has ever been possessed or mm. have you ever been part of an exorcism? Or have you been possessed? Have you been possessed? We want to know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so definitely let us know. And we will be chatting it up again next week with you amazing people. Thank you for joining in. And don't forget, you may think you're alone, but, but you, you never, never really, really are. are. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> <laughs>